in the Gospel of Luke chapter 2. I, the theme of this, of this passage, I want us to look at verse number 33 this morning. And I just want to highlight what took place there. Because it says in verse 33 that Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Mary and Joseph, when they were watching everything unfold concerning Jesus, concerning what Simeon had to say, they just marveled. And when God does his work, I'm going to say when God does what only God can do, it leaves us with one response, really. We just have to stand back and marvel how God would do that. What is, what is God doing exactly? We, don't, we may not completely comprehend. We may not really know until we get to heaven itself. But it's, it's amazing when God does his thing. Amen? And oftentimes, our prayer, when we come together in, in a Sunday morning prayer time, and I want to encourage you to join us for that. The men meet in my office. The women meet in one of the classrooms in the gym. I know our prayer is this, that when, when the day is over and we're laying our heads down at night, that we just have to marvel at what God chose to do today. You know? We don't want it to be a man-filled service or a service where it's my way and it's my preference and it's, it's what I think it was supposed to be. I, I want us to get to the end of the day, get to the end of this service and just marvel because God chose to mate with us today. You realize this that Christmas is more than just celebrating the birth of a Savior. Because Jesus didn't just come to be a baby. We all love cute babies, right? And, and uh, on the birth of every one of our children, it was just a joyous occasion. And it's amazing how, how your heart can expand. Because you have your first child and you think, I can never love anything more than this baby. And then you have another baby and your heart just expands. There's plenty of room in your heart for your children. And every one of them are wonderful and, and we just hold them and we love them and we change their diapers and, and we do all of those things, right? But they weren't meant to stay that way. God has a purpose and a plan for their life. And God has a purpose and plan for his son, Jesus. It wasn't just to be celebrated, his birth. His plan was to be carried out so that at the end of his life, he was to die on the cross for our sins because that was according to his word. That was according to his plan. So what is God's will for us, what is God's will for us after Christmas? Right? We, we make a big deal. I mean, people start celebrating Christmas on November the 1st, right? And I know that there's often, on social media, that's often a heated debate. When do you begin to put up your Christmas decorations? People love the Christmas season, the Christmas music, all of those things. But there's much more to life than just that particular 
time of the year. So what does God have for us? Well, you know, there are many names in Scripture that is given for Christ. Just a few of him. He is known as the bread of life. He is the living water. He refers to himself as the way, the truth, and the life. He is the resurrection. He is the prince of peace. He is the light of the world. He's also known as the good shepherd. And there are many others that we could mention. But in the Gospel of John, as well as 1 John chapter 5, Christ is recognized simply as the Word. The Gospel of John begins in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, capital W. And the Word was with God. And the Word was what? Was God, right? And the Word is defined for us in verse 14. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so the word that John is speaking of is Jesus Christ himself. In fact, later in his epistle in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 7, he says, There are three that bear record in heaven. They are the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. So you have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit mentioned there. Each name describes a portion of his character. But when you're recognized as the Word, it is important that your life is lived in accordance with the Word of God. And so there are three things that I want to highlight this morning that are mentioned. There are three lives that are brought up. We know that Mary and Joseph are they're in the, uh, they're in the shadows, if you will. They are spectators of what is taking place. And you have Jesus. He's always the main character. Then you have Simeon. And you have Anna who shows up later in our text. But the one who's always going to have the spotlight on him is Jesus. And he he is not only the word... But everything that he does, came, he came to fulfill the word of God. As a matter of fact, in the text that we read this morning, in five times in our text we find emphasis upon the Lord's earthly ministry in relation to the word of God. In verse 22, you'll see that it's according to the law of Moses. In verse 24, it's according to that which was said in the law of the Lord. In verse 27, after the custom of the law. And in verse 39, according to the law of the Lord. And in verse 29, there's also Simeon mentions according to thy word. And that was the will of God for his life specifically. With the exception of verse 29... The emphasis in those scriptures was upon the law of the Lord or the law of Moses. When Jesus was delivering his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, 
in verse 17, he made a very important statement. He said, think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Jesus came to fulfill the word of God. He came to fulfill the law that was delivered to Moses. He came to fulfill the, the, the scriptures as they were foretold by the prophets. And the Holy Spirit inspired them to write the word of God. And we see in verse 21 of our text this morning that Jesus was obedient, first of all, to God's covenant with Abraham. Read with me in verse 21. And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now, why eight days? Why do, eight days is important. It's specific. Why is that? Well, first of all, God's covenant that he made with his people was a covenant, the outward sign was that of circumcision for every male. And according to Leviticus, that, that time happened, in Leviticus 12, it happened on the eighth day. And so it was very specific. And God often is that way. He doesn't leave it room for interpretation. If it's according to his word, he's very specific in how he lays things out. And so on the eighth day... As, as children of Abraham, as children of Israel, Mary and Joseph circumcised their son. And it was also a time, as you'll notice in verse 21, where the, the child received his name. Because at that time, he was called Jesus. Now, you remember Zacharias and Elizabeth in Luke chapter 1. The angel appeared first to Zacharias. And he told him that his wife was going to have a child. Now, they had prayed for a child for their, their entire married life. And uh, the Lord had never blessed them with a child. And now, really, she's too old to have children. But the angel of the Lord was sent to, to Zacharias and said, Elizabeth is going to have a child. And, and Zacharias, he doubted that. And he asked, well, what sign will you give me so that I know that you're telling me the truth? He wasn't satisfied with the word of God. He needed a sign to help him determine whether God's word was really true. And so the angel of the Lord touched his mouth and, and he could not speak. His tongue was tied and from that moment on he could not say a word. And when he exited the temple, everyone, they, they knew that he had seen something. He had witnessed something in that temple that was of God. And for that entire time that, that Elizabeth carried that child, uh, John could not speak. But the angel Lord told him, when he's born, his name is going to be John. And so it came the time the child was born, and on the eighth day in verse 59, they, 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 they have the child, and that child is circumcised. And everyone who is gathered around says, we're going to, we're going to name him Zacharias. And, and Elizabeth said, no, no, we're not. We're going to name him John. Well, nobody in the family had a name John, and, 
And they doubted and they were frustrated, you know, about that. And so they they began to write something down and and they gave it to Zacharias. And they said, what's the child's name going to be? And he said, John. And everyone marveled at that. But when he said that, his tongue was loosened and he could suddenly speak. That was the time when John received his name. Now, if you remember throughout our reading of Luke chapter 2, Okay? Nobody, spent, nobody mentions the name Jesus. The angels came, and when they announced to the shepherds that a babe was born, they said, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a what? A Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Now, as we looked a few weeks back, in Luke chapter 1, When the angel Gabriel came and spoke to Mary, he says, you're going to have a child. And his name is going to be Jesus. And you remember Joseph. Joseph was confused over all of this. And he was trying to figure out what to do with Mary in in this particular situation. And the angel Lord came to him at night in a dream. And he said, "Don't, don't fear not, Joseph. The child that Mary has is of the Lord, is of the Holy Spirit. And she's going she's gonna to conceive and she's going to have this child. And his name is going to be called Jesus. And so now you have here in Luke chapter 2, they're, they're bringing, they, they, they have the child there and they circumcise him. And he receives his name, Jesus, in obedience to the Lord. And that is the name... <clears throat> that he was publicly given. So his name is according to the word of God, and we know him as Jesus. Now look with me in verse 22 and 23. Now something else takes place here. And when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord... Every male that openeth the womb, he shall be called holy to the Lord. Now, he speaks there of the days of her purification. Okay? Until that day, Mary was not allowed in the temple. Okay? You go back to Leviticus chapter 12 and verses 1 through 5. And if a, if a woman had a child, if he had a, she had a male, for seven days she was unclean, on the eighth day... They gave glory to the Lord and they had the the young man, the young boy circumcised. And then for 33 days was the day of her purification. It's completely different if they had a female. So for 33 days, time passed. And now they come up to the temple. And their purpose of coming was to present him to the Lord. A couple of weeks ago, we had a couple of families. We had the Walker family with... Mariah, and we, oh, who was the other family we had? The quarters, yes, thank you. It's totally, I apologize, Kenny and Christy. We had the quarters up here, and they brought their children and presented them to the Lord. That is what Mary and Joseph are doing. But I want you to notice that in verse 22. They are doing everything according to to the word of God. Then I want us to see in verse 24, Mary's atonement. 
It says, and to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. So again, according to the word of God, they're bringing their sacrifice. Now in truth, Leviticus 12 verses 6 through 8 tells this. In truth, they were to bring a lamb and a turtle dove or a pigeon. That was, to bring, that was to be their offering when they came and presented the child. But Leviticus 12 verse 8 says this, If they were too poor to bring a lamb, then they could bring two turtle doves or two pigeons. And so obviously Mary and Joseph, they're in poverty. They're very poor. They have nothing. And we see that in the offering that they bring unto the Lord, a sacrifice According to the word of God, the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, one bird was to be a sin offering. And that sin offering was symbolic that it transferred the guilt, the sinner's guilt, over to the substitute. So one life was taken and it transferred the sinner's guilt over to the, to the other and the other bird was, uh, was a burnt offering that symbolically transferred all of the virtue of the substitute to the sinner. And that is a picture of what Jesus Christ does for us. Jesus Christ came to this world for this purpose, and that was to die on the cross. He was the Lamb of God who came to take away the sin of the world. And when he was nailed upon that cross... He was, he was given his life a once and all sacrifice for the sin of the world. And the sinner's guilt was placed upon him upon that cross. And so for all of our sins, all of our uh, iniquities, Isaiah 53 speaks of, it was placed upon him to the point that the Lord had to turn from him. And he, he, he nailed our sins upon the cross. But at the same time, his righteousness is placed upon the believer's account. And so by faith in the blood of Christ, the, the righteousness of God, our, filthy, our filthiness, our filthy rags of righteousness are placed upon Jesus. And in turn, his righteousness is placed upon us. So that now when, G, when God the Father sees Jimmy Lemon, he sees the righteousness of his son, not the filthiness of our sin. Amen? That is why you and I can have any hope whatsoever of going to heaven because of what Christ did for us. Now, why is all of that significant? Because everything we do needs to be lived according to the Word of God. Jesus Christ sets that example for us. Mary and Joseph, everything they did for the child, everything they did with the circumcision, when the time when they brought him to the temple and presented him to the Lord, the offering that they give was all according to the Word of God. And you and I must get to a place in our life where the Word of God is important to us. Amen. And so that we live every day according to God's word. The problem today is this. 
I'm not going to say the problem is the world and that the world is turned from God. I believe the great problem in the world today is this, that Christians are not having the Word of God have its rightful place in their life. The Word of God is not being read from cover to cover. The Word of God is not emphasized in the home as it should be. The Word of God needs to be, have such a place in our life so that we know when we're praying, is this according to the will of God? Is this according to the Word of God? Is what I'm about to do, the decision I'm about to make, is it, a, is it going to be in God's will or is it going to get me out of God's will? It'll help us to know that if we know what the Word of God has to say. And the only way you're going to know that, Chris Green, is to get in the Word of God every day. Every day. You're not going to read it from cover to cover in one day. You're not going to do that. But if you're in it every day, and every day you sit down and you pray, God, I know you have something for me today in your Word. You've got something that I need today. And I'm going to sit down and I'm going to read it until you reveal to me what I need today. I'm not going to be satisfied with reading a chapter or three chapters. I want to hear from, the, I want to hear from you today. And I mean read it until God gives you something. Amen. And he'll give you, I promise you this, even in Leviticus, he'll give you something. He'll give you something if you're looking for it and you're asking from him, God, you, get, you, you gave this word, and your word is inspired. And, it, and your word is, in, is profitable for doctrine. It is profitable for reproof. It is profitable for instruction. Your, your word is profitable for correction. There is something in my life today that I need from you. And it may be a doctrinal truth. It may be to reveal something in my life that is wrong. It may be to help me get something in my life right. It may be just instructing me in the way that I should go. But something God will give you. And our life needs to be lived according to the Word of God. Now, secondly, we, we, we look here at Simeon. And I want us to look, first of all, he is is a life that is led by the Spirit. And that is how God wants us to live our life. All right? He wants us to live our life by His Spirit. Now, verse 25 reveals to us the character of Simeon. And I always like to see the character of an individual. He says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just... And devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. Now, to be just and devout meant that he was one who was thinking, he was one who was feeling, he was one who was acting. Uh, all of those things about his life was wholly conformed to the will of God. He wasn't living his life for selfish pleasure or selfish ambition. His life every day was concerned with what the will of God was for his life. And therefore, he was a man who was considered just and devout. Our character would be one that will be highly noted if we are concerned every day of living our life according to the will of God. 
we ever get ourselves in the middle of it, we'll quickly get out of it. Now, the other thing verse 25 tells us is that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And that refers to the messianic hope or messianic salvation for the people of Israel. He, he valued it and he longed for it to come. He could not wait for the Messiah to come. Every day, maybe the Messiah will come today. Every day. That was his hope. Now, for us, the Messiah has come. We just celebrated his birth, didn't we? Jesus has come. And we celebrate that. But today, we're not looking for his coming. We're not the first coming, we're looking for his second coming. Amen? We are looking for that blessed hope that Paul wrote to Titus about. In Titus chapter 2, verse 13, he says, Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. You will not go wrong, Darren. You will not go wrong if every day... If every day, I was going to say if you're shaving, but I don't know if you shave or not. Maybe trim up a little bit. Maybe when you're brushing your teeth. Lord, maybe today is the day. Maybe Jesus will come back today. You can't go wrong living in light of eternity and the fact that Jesus may soon return. And as John said in Revelation chapter 22, even so come Lord Jesus. Amen? That's how he finished that. I'm just quoting him. He says, amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. So we have that to look forward to. And that is a type of the spirit Simeon had as he waited for the Messiah to come. Now we see that he was a spirit-filled individual. At the end of verse 25, the Bible says that the Holy Ghost was upon him. And verse 26, and it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parent, parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then he took him up in his arms and he blessed God. So note these three things in those verses. One, the Holy Ghost was upon him, verse 25, okay? So it's important that we live in recognizing that the Holy Spirit indwells us as a believer. And so we need, to, we need to let the Spirit of God have its way more than the Spirit of our flesh. So the Holy Ghost was upon him. And then I want you to notice in verse 26 that the Holy Ghost revealed to him God's promises. Okay, That he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So, so the Holy Spirit had revealed some things to him concerning the promises of God. And then, verse 27, it says that the Spirit led him to where the Lord would be. Listen, if we live, Sawyer, if you live knowing that God is living inside of you and that God has a perfect plan for your life, a perfect plan, will for your life, and you decide, I'm going to live today seeking God's perfect will and plan for my life. I'm not going to do anything that is contrary to him or get me out of his will. I don't want to fulfill the lusts of the flesh and compromise 
what the Spirit of God wants to do in my life. So the Holy Spirit is upon him. And the Holy Spirit has revealed to you, when you read the Bible, God's revealing promise in his word that will help you and encourage you. We get discouraged because of things of this world, right? All of us get discouraged at times, and that is because of people. It comes of choices. It becomes of uh, uh, something that happens in our life. Uh, we can be discouraged, you know, um, Alabama not making uh, the uh, playoffs. Uh, we're rarely discouraged in that, you know, rarely. Um, but those things can discourage you, okay? All of those things. Any, we can get discouraged. But we allow the Spirit of God to lead us then we will be exactly where we need to be in God's time. And that is the life that we want to live every day. Lord, let me be exactly where I need to be when you want to do what you want to do. All right? Let God lead you. Quit letting everyone else lead you. Let God lead you. When you come to church... It doesn't, matter, it doesn't matter who else shows up. It doesn't matter how anyone else, their attitude is in worship. In that moment, the worship that only matters is the worship that you give to God. Be led of the Spirit. Be led of the Lord so that you are exactly where you need to be when God wants to do His perfect work in your life. Simeon did that. He decided to go to the temple that day. And while he was at the temple, Jesus showed up. And he took that babe in his arms, he blessed him, and he began to praise. Watch with me, verse 20, 28. In his praise, he offered thanksgiving. Then he, took up, then he took him up in his arms, and he blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace. He had seen what he had been looking for. The consolation of Israel. The Lord's Christ. He's holding that child in his arms. And he's blessing the Lord. He's praising the Lord. And he says, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace. In our praise, we ought to be in a place where we can be thankful for what God is doing. So with thanksgiving, we offer praise to the Lord. Then in his praise in verse 29, he recognized the truth of God's word. Because he says in the middle of the verse, he says, according to thy word. And then he recognized that salvation is found in Christ. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. As Peter testified in Acts 4 and verse 12, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. And then his praise recognized that Jesus was the hope of all mankind. Because read with me in verses 31 and 32. He says, Which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And finally, he offers his prophecy. In verse 33, And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. While all of this is happening, 
Picture Mary and Joseph standing there in amazement, listening to Simeon as he held their son and offered praise unto God. Then it's almost as though Simeon exits the intimate moment between him and God and notice the couple standing there, eyes wide open. So he now turns and he blesses them both, but to Mary, <coughs> excuse me, he delivers a prophetic message of both hope and hurt. He says, verse 34, And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and the rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. The nation of Israel would stumble over this baby, who is not only the who is not the Messiah that they were looking for. Jesus would be a meek Messiah who came to deliver them from their sins in the kingdom of God. They were looking for a militant Messiah to deliver them from their enemies and restore the kingdom of Israel. I'll say this. I'll say this. Sometimes what we're expecting from God is not what God wants to give us. Be open to that. They're looking for the Messiah, but they missed him because he wasn't what they wanted him to be. And if you're not careful, you're looking for a blessing. I, I dare say all of us are looking for the blessing of God, but if you're not careful, you'll miss it because it wasn't what you thought it would be. Be careful to look for the blessings of God. Then he warned Mary in verse 35, Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may reveal. Mary's soul was pierced at Calvary so that the thoughts of many hearts, including our own, would be revealed at the cross. And lastly, my quickest point, verse 36 through 39, is a life of faithfulness. We see a life lived according to the word of God, a life lived led by the Spirit, and a life of faithfulness, verse 36. And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity, and she was a widow of about fourscore and four years. That's 84 years. That's a long time to be attending a lighthouse luncheon. It's a long time, 84 years. Which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. She was a woman, aspired woman of great age. She's approximately, she's, I would say, over, just over 100 years of age. More important than her age was her faithfulness. For she served the Lord night and day in fastings and prayers. When you think you, have, you don't have a lot to do, there's not much that you can do in regards of serving the Lord. Never undervalue fasting and praying. If you have nothing else to do, you can fast and pray for your pastor. I can all, I'll always stand in need of that. Then you'll see her thanksgiving in verse 38. She came in that instant, gave thanks likewise unto the Lord, and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Israel. Like Simeon, Anna recognized that hope that was found in Jesus Christ. There were many Pharisees and religious leaders that could never recognize who Jesus was. But Anna could. 
Never disregard the value of a spirit-filled and faithful woman of the Lord. To all those who looked for the redemption of Israel, Anna would be found testifying that she had met the Redeemer and that her hope was here. We conclude with verse 39, And when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. Eventually, we all go back home. Eventually, the season that we have enjoyed, eventually we go back to our responsibilities and we live our life. How are we going to live that life come 2022? What is that life going to look like? Well, the three takeaways that we get from this message this morning is this. Why don't we live it according to the Word of God? You want to make a New Year's resolution? Don't say, I'm going to go to the gym. Because you're not. Neither am I. You want to make a New Year's resolution? Make a commitment to get in the Word of God every day. Make a commitment. You want to make a New Year's resolution? Say, I'm going to be led by the Spirit of God every day. In 2022, I only want my dreams to be God's dreams. And I want to see God's perfect will played out in my life. And I want to, I want to stand back. I don't, want, I don't want to stand in awe of the people who stand up and testify of only God things. I want to stand in awe because I witnessed God do only God things in my life. You do that if you let the Lord lead you. You want a New Year's resolution? Be faithful. Just say, I'm going to be faithful. 100-year-old woman, what's she going to do? She prayed. She fasted. Be faithful. Be faithful in that which God has given you to do. Be faithful. Just be counted on. You ought, to, you ought to count it a great blessing to be taken for granted. I'm not going to wonder if Brian Cook is going to be here. I know Brian Cook is going to be here. You know? Be taken for granted because you are faithful to do what God has called you to do. Let's bow our heads. Pianist comes this morning.